1: Day was said by Frederick Turner. He said, A beautiful thing, though simple in its immediate presence, always gives us a sense of depth below depth, almost an innocent wild vertigo as one falls through its levels. Hello, everyone. My name is Addie Hirshton. I'm a contemporary impressionist painter. Art instructor, author, and public speaker. The purpose of this podcast is to share stories about art and the creative process to inspire you and help you move forward. And yes, inspire myself and help me move forward. On the show, I interview artists from a wide variety of mediums so that we can learn from each other's processes and philosophy. Today's podcast features an interview with the artist Flora Bowley. Announcements What the heck do I have coming up in my life? Well, let's see on May 19th and 20th, I will be uh, taking part of the Broad Ripple Art Fair here in Indianapolis, Indiana. And if you're local, I'd love for you to stop by my booth and say hello. In the month of June uh, at the Indianapolis Art Center, I will be teaching three classes. One is on plein air painting, that's painting outside, in nature. Uh, There's abstract painting, where we will be learning about um, the history of abstraction, why the heck people want to abstract things, that is to change uh, an image from its original form. Uh, and how, uh, how much fun abstract painting could be. And then, of course, I'll be teaching intuitive painting, the ever popular intuitive painting. Um, speaking of which, our person we're interviewing today, Flora Boley, is an intuitive painter. And uh, she's also an author, and she teaches classes and she's a very inspiring person if you are interested in intuitive painting especially. I highly recommend her books Brave Intuitive Painting and The Creative Revolution. On her website, it says this. It says, Flora believes that creative expression is waiting to unfold within every person. Oh, let me repeat that. It's so important. Is waiting to unfold within every person who is brave enough to trust, let go, and explore. And it is through this kind of heartfelt expression that truths are revealed, lives transform, and new worlds are born. Oh, I love that. Um, I think this is why I'm so attracted to Flora and her work. It's because she's one of those cool people who just doesn't think that art is just for an elite few, it's for anybody. It can be used as a tool for anybody who wants to use it to celebrate what they love, to uh, explore themselves, to learn, to transform. Ah, If you want to find out more about Flora Bowley, you want to go to her website, which is florabowley.com. That's spelled F-L-O-R-A-B-O-W-L-E-Y.com. And of course, I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Now, without further ado, here's my interview with Flora
0: Bowley.
2: Well, welcome Flora Bowley to the podcast.
0: Thanks for having me. Happy to be here.
2: Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you're uh, chatting with me here today. So my first question for you is, what is the story of how you became an artist?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I'm definitely in the category of people that identifies as having always been an artist since I was a little kid. You know, it was always the thing that I love to do it was something I was encouraged to do thankfully and so that led me right into high school and being kind of the art teacher's right hand helper student person Mm -hmm. (laughs) and go to college and um receive a BFA in painting and drawing and at that point a little interesting um tidbit is that I tried to go to grad school and get my MFA and I did not get accepted to any of the schools I applied to. And so Uh I I always like to tell that story because I feel like, you know, as artists we're you know, there's so many, there's so many little rejections that can happen along the way. And um, for me it was a little devastating in the moment just because I thought that I would be on this path to, you know, getting an MFA and probably teaching college or something along those lines. And so when that didn't happen, I had to really decide what to do. And what I decided to do is to just start painting a lot and really dedicate myself to my own painting practice. And yeah, so I, you know, I waitressed and I became a yoga teacher and a massage therapist, but I was really, um, painting was my, was my focus for so many years. And eventually long story short i started teaching painting and that was about 8 years ago and that came back after you know getting to the point of being a full-time painter and i always thought that would be my ultimate dream job you know i just used to fantasize about wow what if i could just be a painter and and i got i got there i was just kind of squeaking by doing that and i realized there was something really missing for me that i couldn't quite put my finger on at the time but it was something around purpose and I just knew there was something else. And so when I, you know, got offered to teach a workshop and I did that and really in that moment, so much came together for me in terms of my passions, all getting to live in the same room together um, as I was offering the painting process. And, you know, we did a lot of, we do a lot of movement in my workshops and I just got to bring in a lot of things that I love. And so I've been teaching painting and continuing to paint on my own um, for the past eight years, and it's just been really, really satisfying. I love it so much.
2: Nice. <clears throat> nice. Yeah, I love being an art teacher, too. Um,
0: yeah.
2: I feel that it's it's just so wonderful to be able to share how much art has helped me to heal or been an outlet for both stress and joy, (laughs) all the different phases of my life. And then to be able to help other people to be able to use it as a tool for their own healing and growth is, um, it's just a special role. And I, I really love it too. And Mm. um, yeah, it's, um, it, it adds another element too. I don't know I don't know that I would paint as much if I wasn't also teaching, you know, because um, <laughs> yeah. I get so inspired by my students. And um, yeah, so uh, anyway. All right. The next question I have for you is what draws you to painting over other mediums and specifically the intuitive painting style? Um
0: yeah, yeah go for it <laughs> yeah totally that's a great question um i well so when i when i to go back to college I was you know taking all the different mediums that I could all the different classes and I'll never forget when I took my first painting class because it was it's it was just such a full yes I was like oh my gosh like I just love i loved getting to paint paint on a big canvas and to be able to move color around. And then through my years of kind of painting on my own and developing my own approach uh, after college, I really got excited about learning about how I could layer with acrylic paint because I just realized how much... Um, freedom lives within the layering process and so I kind of like broke away from everything I learned in college and started painting in what I now call brave intuitive painting which I didn't even it's funny kind of a funny story when I wrote my first book uh, which came right after I started teaching and so sharing my process at all was really really new to me and so I had to come up with a title for my book and I came up with Brave Intuitive Painting after a lot of uh, soul searching. And then it was only after that that I was writing my book and I Googled intuitive painting and realized, like, oh, my gosh, there's an entire world out there called intuitive painting that I did not even know was a thing. So that was really (laughs) kind of a funny moment. Um, Right. But but, uh, I guess there's, like, you you could say intuitive anything, really, right? It's, like, just this way of approaching um, whatever it is you're doing that is very – you know, heart centered and listening to something that's beyond your sort of rational, rational, logical mind. Um, and so, yeah, I love the freedom and I love the connection that I feel with that part of myself, like with my intuition. I I always say, you know, if you're, if you spend like four or five hours painting in an intuitive way, you're just strengthening that muscle. And so when you do walk out into your life, you, you're so much more connected to that part of yourself. You know, it's so much easier in the, in the moment where we need to make all these decisions in life to, to be like, Oh, I, I feel, I can feel into that in a way that if I maybe had a different kind of job where I was just like being really logical all day long that I might not as be as connected to it. So, um, I love that aspect of, of intuitive painting. I love how it informs my life, uh, in a bigger way. And, yeah I just love um not having to have a plan. That's a big that's a big one for me. Um, I, on the on the spectrum of people who like to have plans versus people who don't like to have plans, I tend to be someone who uh, would prefer to not be so planned out. And so when it comes to making a painting, you know, when I used to have like in art school where I'd have to have a concept that I'm working towards and trying to render that, I just found that to be pretty stress inducing. And so for me to create, like to just like empty the vessel, if you will, like to not have to know what's happening before I start and to just be able to be really present to what is unfolding. That to me is where the energy lives. That's where the excitement and kind of the edginess of it lives. Um, and so that is something that I just love. I can't really imagine painting in another way where I had to map it all out, so yeah, those are a few of the reasons I love it
2: <laughs> yeah uh, so and that leads me to my next question, which I think is kind of a funny one because it maybe it goes against intuitive painting, but you know the question mm-hmm. is what is your main message you're trying to convey with your work and and yet, with intuitive painting, I mean, messages can come out, or sides of ourselves can come out as we go through this process, right? Um, but uh, it, it, what is your message, if there is one?
0: Yeah. Well, that, no, I love that question actually, because I really okay. it really made me think a little bit about it, and you know, it brought me back to yeah, art school when you had to have an artist statement and like you know, really have this. Thing about, and I and I realized that. I mean there is this sort of narrative that I think my paintings do um offer in terms of like what they look like and that they're very kind of mystical and you know they they draw you into another kind of world so I I do love that and I like to you know have people enter that world and find whatever they find within it but Really, for me, it's more about staying connected to that energy I was just talking to, talking about. So staying like really present and alive and connected so that that, that moves onto the canvas. And so hopefully when someone sees one of my paintings, they're actually feeling that sense of aliveness, that sense of kind of bravery and, you know, just that there's energy there. There's like a human energy. Whereas I feel like you know, some art is much more about what what it's actually saying, like the story it's telling, versus the energy behind the brush marks. If you know what I mean. Yeah, um, so, yeah. I yeah, for me, if if people can can feel the passion, you know, and feel the um, whatever the the sense of aliveness that I was feeling when I was painting it, if that can convey through the painting, then to me that is that is a successful piece. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'm so much more focused these days on teaching than I am on actually my, I mean, I still paint a lot, but I, I honestly care less about my own work than I do about just being connected to the work so that I can teach it in a, in a better, more authentic way. And so, you know i we talk a lot about this stuff in my workshops about just why are we doing this you know why why are we spending all this time um, and energy doing this and and it really does come back to this idea of practicing ways of being that we are inviting in our life off the canvas so right you, you can get that i mean it's like you know if it, and there's all different you know people come in with all different things and and ways of being that they're comfortable in and ways of being that they're not comfortable in and so for someone that for example is really comfortable being wild and free, you know they can just kind of close their eyes and paint with their fingers all day long, that person might get to practice making choices and committing and moving something forward even though there's always the opportunity in my process to change directions right. but say, you know, one of the things is like making strong commitments while staying open to change. That's a big kind of key phrase in my work, because I see people who are so wild and free that they never commit to anything. And then their painting doesn't come together. And then they're frustrated for that. So it's like, that's a great opportunity. But then there's, I would say more people on the other spectrum who are uh, really comfortable making choices and having control and, and not comfortable in the letting go part of the process. And so for those folks, they get a really great opportunity to, to practice letting go in a place that is totally safe. I'm always like, it's just paint, you know,
2: <laughs>
0: right. I'm like This is your, you're just practicing, you know, you're practicing. And, yes. and so I love that, uh, brave intuitive painting really gives people this this cool container that can show up for however they need it to and you know everybody gets everyone gets something out of it for sure That's oh yeah more-
2: <laughs> definitely definitely yeah. and sometimes I've had students write to me six months after the, an intuitive painting class and said oh Addie I suddenly realized what the heck this painting was about mm. <laughs> you know? Totally. because exactly. sometimes it takes a while to see it sometimes it's obvious right away um i have another funny question for you flora and that is um you know your book brave intuitive painting has all these wonderful prompts in it that um are great to go through and do it's things like for example for our listeners um you know cover up half of your canvas with you know fresh paint and just Get, get rid of things that you you no longer love um, Or you know get out your teeny tiny brush and now paint with that, you know so lots of little prompts and I See a parallel with your lovely prompts and the like the surrealist um, automatic drawing methods um, and the art therapy methods when you created your particular style of of teaching with all those lovely prompts, how much were you looking to art therapy history and all of that stuff? Or does this just come from your own gut? I'm
0: I'm really happy to say that it totally came from my own experience. I actually had a really funny thing when I was, so I was writing my book. I was actually in Portugal teaching a workshop and I was in the middle of writing it and I Googled into a painting. I told you that story. And, I found um, the work of Michelle Casu, and she at the time like had all. the She was the one that popped up at the top of intuitive painting if you searched. And I was like, who is this woman? I'd never heard of her. And and so in that moment, I signed up for one of her workshops in San Francisco. And so because I was like, oh my god, I'm writing a book on intuitive called Intuitive Painting, and I don't even know like this world um, beyond <laughs> my own. Experience, which is vast, you know i 'd been painting for fifteen years by the time I wrote that book, so right. I went to this workshop, and oh my God, Addie, I had a total breakdown uh, after the first day because what she was teaching and what she was saying was so different than what Aww. what I was writing about. Right. I was like, oh it can 't be intuitive painting if that 's intuitive painting, and I just had this whole like identity crisis happening and and then I stuck with it. It was a two-day workshop. And after the second day, I just found this beautiful place of peace, realizing that, that there's so many different ways to approach intuitive painting and that it's this beautiful thing that I could kind of bring it, something else to the world of intuitive painting and, um, and so I really didn't look to, I mean, I, I don't have any art therapy training. Um, I have a lot of personal development training. I've done just a ton of work. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I've done so many different things. I could go on and on. Um, and so I've done a lot of soul soul searching, um, which a lot of that makes its way into my work. And I feel like that's a lot, you know, a lot of the therapeutic kind of stuff kind of comes from that. But in terms of where the prompts come from or, you know, w- what I was looking at when I wrote that book, I really wasn't. I, I just was writing from I just kept telling I remember kept. I kept telling myself, like, just write your own experience like that is that's what you can offer the world is what is true to you and what you know from your 15 years of painting in this way. And so and living, you know, living and painting and having it all kind of combine in interesting ways. And so, yeah, I'm, and, and in that workshop, I also felt like just the sort of sense of relief that I hadn't learned from somebody else, that I really had developed this on my on my own and that it felt really authentic to me. So, yeah. <laughs>
2: good. Good. I remember in your second book, I think it was, you wrote more about that for anybody who's curious to hear more of your story. Um yeah, I did include
0: a little bit of that. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I think it's funny because this reminds me of of just how we can embrace labels like intuitive painting, um, but then sometimes we can struggle with those labels because it can feel limiting, or maybe people don't quite understand um, if to them intuitive painting means one thing and for us it means something different. And um, and I've been struggling lately with what do I call myself at all as a painter. Um, because some of the stuff I do is intuitive, some of it is what I would call visionary and um, very yeah. spiritual. Um, some of it's impressionistic, and I go out in nature and paint nature. So, you know,
0: fables.
2: Yeah. Ah, I, I don't know if you have any thoughts uh, on that.
0: I need to make up some new words. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's tricky, and I—I I mean, I think intuitive painting is so really the word intuitive is very broad. um and so I I think that works pretty well for me um just because it's so all-encompassing but yeah I totally hear you and I've struggled with that over the years too um what do I call myself (laughs) yeah soul soulful artist I guess (laughs) kind of (laughs) encompasses it all yeah I had a really interesting moment happen um I went I don't know if your listeners know Shiloh Sophia or do you know Shiloh Sophia do you know her work Uh, I don't think so She's a great person to, to check out. She's got a a whole world of also intuitive painting. (laughs) She's down in uh, California. And so she, we kind of got to know each other over the last couple of years. And she invited me down to do this live class where we were streaming live teaching intuitive painting. And so I fly down there and we really, we, for real had never talked about what we were going to actually do until like the night before we were having dinner. Oh. <laughs> um, she was just like, I trust. And I'm like, me too. It'll be great. But what we realized mostly, you know, a little bit through that dinner and then mostly live on camera is that our approach was, our approaches were completely different. Okay. Um, and her, she calls her thing uh, intentional creativity. And then she also calls it intuitive painting, but intentional creativity. So she works with sort of a an inquiry and a, a very specific intention around what the marks kind of mean and how it all comes together. And my whole thing is sort of like, let's not add all the layers of of meaning and just be in the moment and let the meaning come from being in the moment, if you know, if, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, let the, let the learning and the growing and the healing come from letting, like, embracing the mystery, basically. Right. And so it was great. It was, we were both just like, wow, this is so fascinating that, and because our work ultimately looks kind of, I mean, it, you could see our work and be like, oh yeah, they're, they're both intuitive painting. the The results are somewhat similar. Um, But it just goes to show, once again, that there's just so many ways to approach anything and that there's no right or wrong way and that they're all just um, different people will be attracted to different styles. And I'm sort of of the mindset of more the merrier. You know, there's lots of ways to do things. And, you know, if I can teach mine, I'll I'll attract the people that are really going to resonate with that. So, Mm -hmm. anyways, cool story. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Oh, funny. Yeah. So. So speaking of attracting people and your students, um, what do you say most often to them? Um, I'm sure that because I haven't had the chance to go to one of your workshops yet, but they sound like they're, you know, there's a lot of personal growth and, you know, and, and poking at our at our innards. Right. Uh, what, what do you say to them most often do you think?
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have so many things I say, but same a few, I, you know, I often make a joke when they first get there, like, Oh, you think you came here to paint? Uh, you know, but we're really doing all this other work, um, through the painting process. Which I think anyone who really follows my work knows what they're getting, knows what they're getting into on some level. Right. But I talk um, I talk a lot about embracing the mystery, letting go of the plan. Um, I talk about how you know when you when you attach yourself to one idea of what you think your painting is supposed to look like, then you shut the door on kind of all the other possibilities. Mm. And so I'm really trying to get people to come back to the present moment to stay in their bodies to stay you know really stay grounded and to know that they you know they're the one wielding the paintbrush like they they have control in terms of being able to make changes at any time nothing's permanent um that phrase of make make bold choices but stay open to change is, is a real key one of mine um i talk often about how there's just no formula there's no like step by step there's no step by step way to do it, although there are i call them ingredients you know there's sort of a lot of ingredients to understand in terms of basic painting things like knowing how to mix color and knowing what colors will make mud and knowing about value contrast and so I do bring this like bit of art school stuff into the conversation, but only to give them just enough information to empower them to be able to not be just fighting against all that kind of stuff. Um, Yeah, and just to trust. I mean, it's such a huge part of the process is patience and trust. Mm -hmm. And because there's no – every painting has its own timeline, as I'm sure you know. Some paintings just come together, and other ones are like this battle, (laughs) right, where it just goes on and on. And so just to know that there's always opportunities for learning, and there's always opportunities for growth within every uh, painting, and that I honestly believe that if you don't have those moments of feeling stuck or frustrated, then you're probably not on your edge of growth uh, in terms of developing your creative style and voice. Um, I always just try to encourage my students to be to be out there on the edge, and not, and not to uh, discredit what they know and what they've learned, because I feel like that's what we, you know, that's what we get at when we put in the work and we do the time we get to understand color and we get to understand our tools and all of that stuff is great, but it's also easy when we get comfortable with everything to get into a, a habitual kind of easy, uh, rut, <laughs> if you will. Right. And so I'm like, I'm always like, you know, let's, let's take all of that, all of what we've learned, what we know, and sort of put it behind us in our like back pocket, so you can pull it out if you need it. But to always keep that space between you and the what you're doing right now open and and really, um, yeah, really on the edge, you know. And I think that's where good art really comes from, and I think that's also where a lot of learning and growth comes from. So yeah, my my work is a kind of an interesting combo of of art therapy process painting all of that kind of world and like just art school stuff (laughs) and so I think that's where I mean that is part of the reason people struggle with it sometimes because it's bringing kind of those two worlds together and they seem sort of counter um but I think to deny our my, my friend Orly Evanieri always calls it um our what does she call it the just like our our alignment to beauty or something like that, like how we uh, are. She says we're adjusted to beauty. That's what she says. Like, you know, we crave beauty. And so to say that, um, it doesn't matter what it looks like at all, which is a lot of what you'll hear in like process painting kind of art therapy world. And I, and I say this with all due respect to that world and I'm so glad it exists. And I think it's super important work and, You know, coming as as a person who made a living selling paintings for 15 years before they started teaching, I am definitely adjusted to to what it looks like. You know, I wanna I wanna like it. You know, I wanna love it at the end. So, um, but I also want it to feel really authentic and really um, in the moment as I'm creating it. And so I love bringing those worlds together. I think it's really interesting territory, and I also think it reflects how we need to show up in life often where there is kind of two things going on. Oh, There's yeah. like, yeah. Right. Like staying real and staying connected and open and intuitive, but also like being like, yeah, being like, no, I want it to to, to feel right and to look right. And to, you know, and, and to know that right is like quote unquote, your, your opinion. And so that's another thing I'm always telling my students is like, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about this painting it matters what you think about it, <laughs> right. you know? And so I, I do encourage them to not comment on each other's work because mm. those little comments can really like get in there. But, um, yeah, to really trust yourself. I think ultimately the whole process is about trust, trusting our own sensibilities.
2: Right. Right. Oh, so many good thoughts. So many good thoughts. Um,
0: I know. can you tell me i had a cup of coffee today? I don't <laughs>
2: awesome i'll have to ship more coffee off to you (laughs) Uh, um yeah i i love what you're saying about um non-attachment and um letting go and it feels like a very yoga um eastern philosophy sort of a, a a message right but letting go of the outcome because yeah. if you're so tight and worried about, I want to make a masterpiece, then yeah. then you, you're not letting go. You're not making brave choices, if you will. Um, and, and so there's a push and pull of, yes, we want to create something that we like in the end. Um, and yet at the same time, you got to be able to let stuff go and cover up and keep working at it and keep working at it until you like it. That's one thing I say to my students a lot is you keep working at it until you like it.
0: Yes. until you, you're at you, that
2: point where you yeah. don't like it.
0: <laughs> I, so one of my little catchphrases too, and this comes from my very first college painting professor. He was like this grumpy old dude. And we walked in and he said, well, we all have a thousand bad paintings in us so let's get going <laughs> and I was just like oh my god but it really stuck with me because I mean he was referring to doing the work and practicing and so you know when I have students that are I get oftentimes I have students that have never painted before that show up at my workshops and really? I, I love that wow. and but they'll they'll be really stuck and they're having these moments and I just say to them sometimes imagine how you would be relating to this painting right now if you'd already painted a hundred paintings. Like just imagine, like can you go there in your imagination about how much, if you're learning this much in this one painting, imagine a hundred paintings from now. Like that's how you learn this stuff. And that's how you, that's how you get to a point where the frustrating moments don't actually take you down because you realize you've been there so many times before that you realize it's part of the process. And so I get, I get frustrated and, you know, confused. And I hate my painting. Like every time I do a painting at least once or probably more than once, you know, but to me, it's just like a, it's almost like a fleeting moment where I'm just like, Oh, that's happening. It's like, I can witness the moment of that and just be like, Oh yeah, I'm there. Like I call it the awkward teenager phase. Like the painting just doesn't know who it wants to be when it grows up yet. You know, it's just a little awkward. Um, (laughs) But that that it doesn't make me stop. It just actually is fuel to, to, to keep going.
2: Yes. Yes. Right on. Right on. Right on. Uh, so I can't believe it. We're at, my last question for you, Flora, and that is what is your favorite art book or personal art story that's happened in your life?
0: Oh, I know this question. I was like, "What is my favorite art book?" I honestly cannot tell you just one, but a few that came to mind that were like little pivotal moments were well, The artist Way. I'm sure everybody says that, um, but that was a great, a great moment when I read that book. Um, I mean, I was a huge fan of Sark back in the day. Oh
2: yeah, me
0: too. I mean, who wasn't? I'm so happy to call her my friend now. It's so great. Oh, I was just was such you better yes wonderful as you would imagine so So anyway she was and then sabrina ward harrison kind of came right after her she was such a just a free spirit and i feel like her first books were like there was just nothing else like that out there at the time they were raw and i was like oh my god like you can do it that way so that was really inspiring um there's yeah, the, the war of art, I think is a great book for people to read just about resistance and, um, all the inner critic stuff that comes up, um, around the creative process. Stephen Pressfield's book. Yeah. Those are a few that come to mind. Oh, the creative habit is a great one. Twyla Thwarp. Um, she's a dancer, choreographer, and she just talks about also doing the work and making it a habit, showing up all that stuff.
2: Lovely. Mm Lovely. Okay. Well, any final thoughts for us, Flora?
0: Well, I guess I just want folks to know that I have like a lot of free content online and I also have a lot of e-courses, two books, and then I do in-person workshops, uh, mostly in Portland in my new studio. So if you feel inspired to dive into Brave Intuitive Painting, there's lots of options. Nice. nice
2: all right well thank you so much for coming on the podcast
0: laura thanks for having me this was really fun
1: uh wasn't that a great interview with flora um let's talk for a minute about the quote of the day that i said at the beginning and tie it to what flora is saying and her message for us today her quote of the day was by frederick turner he said, a beautiful thing, though simple in its immediate presence, always gives us a sense of depth, below depth, almost an innocent wild vertigo, as one falls through its levels. And I, I read that, um, in a, the book, uh, The Invisible Brace, Embrace, excuse me, Beauty by John O'Donohue. And I said to myself, wow, that's so perfect for intuitive painting and searching for the beautiful by creating layer upon layer so that we can get at the depth, below the depth (laughs) of our own selves and what we feel in the moment that we are creating a piece, um, you know, I've I've had moments where I thought my piece was about one thing and I kept working at it and working at it and working at it and then suddenly realized, oh no, it's something else that's deeper within my unconscious, right? And if you've never done intuitive painting, it can be very revealing. It can show you what uh, you really want. Or, or what you're afraid of, you know. For, for example, I had one student who was really. Um, she said, "I love organization and, and tight, structured things, and and everything in my life is is very orderly, and that's the way I like it." And then once we started intuitive painting, she's flinging the paint, and she's going totally wild, more wild than anybody I'd ever seen. And I think she just needed to let go. And, but we, she had to do that process to bring the depth forth, to bring those layers forth. And, and I think and I hope that that was healing for her as it has been for me. And this concludes our Alchemy of Art podcast for today. May these stories about art and the creative process inspire you. May you find your voice. You have been listening to the Alchemy of Art podcast. To find out more about Addie Hirshton and her work, go to azierfineart.com. That's A-Z-H-I-R-F-I-N-E-A-R-T dot com.